Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so Matt, I went to the doctor today, and mm-hmm. I told him, I said, I'm having problems hearing out of my left ear. And he asked me, he's like, are you sure? I said, yeah, man, I'm definite. good evening everybody and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I'm doing all right. Good, good. So before we get into it, we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find a list of shows that we're happy to be associated with, and you can find some tips and tricks on podcasting if you want to get into it. But I guarantee you, you're going to find something on podbelly.com that you might not find anywhere else and that you will enjoy. So go check out their list of shows. Go over there. Give it a listen. You're going to like something on there. We want to thank tonight's sponsors, Fume and Uncommon Goods, and we'll talk more about them coming up. And please help support the companies that support Graveyard Tales. That way they will keep supporting Graveyard Tales and we can keep doing this for you guys. And and, I mean, it, it. Help each other out. We we scratch their back, they scratch ours. So go support the companies that support Graveyard Tales. Also, we mentioned it last time. It's that time of year where we're gearing up for the Christmas Listener Stories episode from you guys. So start sending in, if you haven't already, your experiences, your paranormal experiences, your cryptid experiences, UFO experiences, Whatever you got, if it happened to you, if it happened to your mom or your grandma or your brother, anything, send it in to us. Make sure you put on the subject line that it's listener stories or holiday stories or something so that we can save it and then put it in a folder and then be able to collate all those later. And make sure you get it in by December 1st. That way, Matt and I have time to go over it get everything lined out for the episode and make sure that we've got everybody's right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, if, if you've never participated in this, then just for whatever reason, just sit down and just start typing out the story. Mm-hmm. We, we want to hear it, especially if you've got one of those that, you know, you, you, you know, it's cool, but you don't share it with everybody. Cause and it's you can be weird. anonymous if you want. That's well, right. You can be anonymous, but send them in. I mean, you know, this is, this is always, a, you know, a fun couple of episodes. We get yeah. so many stories and you know, what we're, what we're doing is we're, we're celebrating that Victorian tradition of telling ghost stories around the fire on Christmas Eve. Okay. So this, you know, some of the stories we've gotten in the past have been just 
amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? So keep them coming. Keep them coming. If you get it in, I promise you we're going to read it. Okay. Yep. Um. So, yeah, every, everybody loves this. Everybody looks forward to it. So don't forget to send in those stories. Yep. And we've been doing this. This It's become a Graveyard Tales tradition. We've been doing this since, what, 2017 when we started? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's a it's a thing that people look forward to, and, and nobody looks forward to it more than Matt and I do. We right. we love hearing y'all stories. It was one of the main reasons that Matt and I got into podcasting because we wanted to hear stories from so many other people, That's right. so that we can form opinions and learn more about paranormal and stuff like that. So. You're helping us out in more ways than you know by sending in those stories. So like Matt said, if you have not done it, email it to us, graveyardtalespodcast at gmail.com, subject line, listener stories, Christmas episode, whatever. Just some way that I know what it is so I can put it over in the folder and Matt and I can start going through them. So that's all I got, Matt. So why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay, so tonight's going to be a little different. Um, I did the research on this. I, I sent this topic to Adam uh, a while ago. This was something that Amanda had had brought to me, and, and we, we, we sat down and we watched a video about it. I, I did a little extra reading, and I, said, I told Adam, I, said, this, I, I, I think this would be a cool topic. And I said, I'm, I'm happy to present it. And Adam is going to provide the color commentary. Um, we're going to be discussing the Strauss Howe generational theory. And I know everybody just went, uh, the what? no, 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 <laughs> I, I promise. Um, this is, this is fascinating. Okay. And, and you may have heard of it. You just didn't hear, hear it in, in that term. Um, but the Strauss Howe generational theory attempts to describe how and when history repeats itself. Now you and, hear that a lot that history repeats itself, but right. I have not heard anybody say that they can predict when it does. And that's that's it. It's it's the prediction of when it will occur. Not what will occur, mm-hmm. but when it will occur and and almost to expect it. Hmm. And uh, let's just, let's get into it. I mean, I, I, I'm getting I'm getting excited about it. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, this right, is this is crazy. OK, it's crazy. So, Adam, you know, take a look. Take a look at the world today. OK, I mean, I try not to. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> man, we're. We are just coming off of the heels of a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Okay. The the likes of which, you know, we have we have never seen our our parents, our grandparents, you know, they they've never experienced anything like this. And you know, regardless of anybody's beliefs on wh- where it came from, how it started, you know, why it was why it started, it doesn't matter. It was real. And millions of people lost their lives to a very real disease. Okay. The U in the U S I mean, it, all bets are off here. 
um, you know, it, it is it is a true. It, I think the U.S. is in a true state of upheaval. And don't worry, this is not political. <laughs> um, but but when you when you turn on the news, it's like civil unrest abounds. Um, you you can't trust what you can what you read or hear, and thanks to AI, you can't trust what you see Man, all the time. You and I were just talking about AI yeah. and the worries yeah. about that. Yeah, and and so you think about it the the path to the upcoming uh, U.S. presidential election. I mean, it, it's it's name calling, finger pointing, scandals, lies, and and it's it's driving a wedge between groups and society. I mean, things are just crazy right now. Some people would say we're in a crisis. Okay, mm-hmm. this is a crisis. I mean, you know, we've got we're we're currently dealing with two wars. Two right. wars going on at the same time, um, and and of course with with any kind of conflict like this, the 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 people that pay the price are the innocent, right? You know the you know we're we're already seeing it, so yeah, the we're in a crisis. But according to the Strauss Howe theory, we should have seen it coming. Hmm. Per- particularly since the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, the the crisis has really taken on a a geopolitical dimension. Okay, leading many of us to fear that the present is far worse and dangerous than any other period in any other lifetime. Hmm. Okay, it's like these are the worst of times. It's, it's Charles Dickens. It was the worst of times. It was the worst of times, you know? <laughs> right. yeah. So, and, uh, and the, the bad part about it is that the path out of this isn't exactly clear. You know, it, we, 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 we're not really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We're, we're not even seeing the path on how to get to the tunnel. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, just trying to get by and and hope that things are going to get better, it, it really it really brings brings everyone down. But according to uh, Stra- the Strauss-Howe theory, things are going to get better. Things are going to get a lot better. And believe it or not, it's going to be sooner than you think. Okay? This is all based on a book written by Neil Howe and William Strauss called The Fourth Turning. Now, some of you may have heard that, yeah. the, four, the Fourth Turning, okay? I had not until you brought it up, but... Okay. So, let's talk about what The Fourth Turning is discussing, the book, okay? The book affirms this idea that we are in the midst of a major crisis, and they use history to predict how the crisis might be resolved. Now, the, the book, The Fourth Turning, was written in 1997, okay? Now, Neil Howell has published another book in 2020 called um, The Fourth Turning is Here, okay? And that's going to make a little bit more sense as we go along. Um, 
William Strauss, he died in 2007, so he wasn't a part of this book. Mm. Um, but he, he did work with Neil Howe on the first one. And interestingly enough, Howe and Strauss were credited with inventing the term millennial. Really? Yeah. So d- 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 to describe the generation of folks born between the mid-80s through the 1990s, um, they get the credit for coming up with that term. Is it the, the credit or the blame? <laughs> it's just a name. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's just a name. All right. What's in a name? <laughs> they, did, they didn't make millennials the way they are. They a just, rose just, by any other name, Matt. <laughs> They I don't just, know what that's supposed to mean in this situation, but yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's also as we go into this, it's important to to realize that um, the book, the fourth turning, focuses on these cycles in the United States. Okay, um, this is not a global thing. There is a book that uses a similar model. Uh, by Peter Turchin, and it's called End Times, and it it looks mm. at it looks at the same type theory, but on a much on a much more global scale. Okay, I've but, seen the title of that book. I don't know yeah. really anything about it, but I have seen that book. I haven't seen the Fourth Turning book. Yeah, um, but it it it's looking at things worldly. Neil Howe and William Strauss's book is it's really fa- focused on U.S. history. Okay. Okay. So now, you know, I've given you all that lead in. You kind of, I've given you a little taste. Okay. I'm anxious and scared. But now, let's, so let's thanks. look at, let's look at how, how this works. Okay. So according to how history repeats itself in roughly 80 year blocks called secular. Okay. So this 80 year section, they, they call a secular. Okay. Within each history block, there are four divisions that last about 20 years each, okay? And this is this is not exact, okay? That 80 years is roughly the span of a human lifetime. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in 80 to 90 years, okay? And that the 20 years is give or take. But these divisions are called turnings. And for us, we know turnings better as generations, but they can also be looked at like the seasons of the year, you know, spring, fall, winter, all of that. So how writes that Anglo-America has gone through five century long secular and is now at the end of the sixth. Each seculum encompasses four generations corresponding to the seasons of the year. Okay. There is a high, which is like springtime or a new beginning. An awakening, which is like summer, when the next generation turns against its parents. Okay. Hmm. And that's metaphorically. Yeah. You know, we're not going to have an uprising against everybody's parents. I hope we don't, because I'm I'm one of those parents. <laughs> I was going to say, so do we have to worry about our 12-year-olds yeah. picking up shields and spears and coming at us? Yeah, it's not going to be, it's not like step for children, you know, they're not, yeah. they're not taking over. 
No. Okay, good. Okay. The next one would be the unraveling or the fall, which uh, is where institutions begin to decay. And the fourth turning or winter is the crisis when everything falls apart, but it's preparing the way for a new seculum. Okay. Much like uh, Hal kind of describes this as like a, the necessity of a forest fire. Okay. It, it's devastating. You know, it, 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 you know, damages, you know, uh, forests, houses, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but it's necessary to a degree because from that comes new birth and growth. Okay. You know, it, the forest comes back and, and that's, that's how, um, Neil Howe looks at these history blocks after this crisis, there is a new beginning and everything comes back. So let's, let's get into kind of what our current situation looks like through the, the lens of the, of the turning. So looking at America's current seculum, we are in the fourth turning. We are in the crisis. Okay. Okay. So where did the current seculum, where did the current 80 year history block begin for us that would put us in the fourth turning or the crisis right now? So the first turning in the United States began in 1946 after World War II. So the Allied forces were victorious and things were good. Okay. We were in a high. It was the time of the most even distribution of wealth in the United States during this period. Okay. Simply put, you could work a regular job and still afford to buy a house. You know, the, okay. the example I heard was you could work at a gas station and, and afford to buy a house. Okay. Well, just, you know, not nothing against people working at a gas station. Okay. But just a regular non-skilled job. You had enough money to survive and flourish. During this time, we saw new and wonderful things like the invention of rock and roll. We were venturing into space. Um, this is when the sport cars like uh, the Corvette and the Mustang were developed. Yeah. Okay. You know, this period was every, it was good. It was good. You know, everybody felt good that it was, you know, patriotism was at an all time high. Um, Things were looking up for everyone. And you got to remember, and we're going to talk about this more. What was going on in the United States right before World War II? We were Mm -hmm. in the Great Depression. Yeah. When everything sucked. (laughs) Yeah. And yep. and nobody knew how we were going to get through this, okay? Yeah. And then, you know, after World War II, things are so much better, okay? You, you can get a job. You can, you know, you can buy a house, a car. You know, you can feed your family. Mm-hmm. So things were great. Innovation was strong during this period. During this, we saw the invention of... Things like the transistor, the credit card, waterproof diapers were were invented during this period. 
supersonic I'm thankful aircraft. for those. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, <laughs> if you have five kids, I, I yeah. <laughs> but uh, the instant camera, the airbag, I didn't huh. realize the airbag was that old. No, I didn't either. The heart lung machine was oh, invented. Wow. You know, which allows open heart surgery. Mm hmm. Weather satellites, nuclear submarines, LEDs were all invented during this period. Some people would say that's because uh, the crash at Roswell and we started cooperating <laughs> with the aliens and they gave us technology. We're, we're going down this path and Adam says, Pew! Hey, I, that's aliens. me, man. That's me. That's Who knows? how I do it. <laughs> It's not the first turning. It's aliens, man. It's aliens. Aliens started it. So, but, you know, there there's way too many inventions to list here, but you get the picture. Okay. Things were good and they seemed to be getting better. But just because we were in a high, it didn't mean that things were all bright and rosy for everyone. Okay. Because during this time, segregation was still present in the South. Um, homosexuality was a crime. Yeah. And and it was even considered to be a mental defect. Yeah. Okay. The high was a time of conformity. Okay. It was everybody is doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, so you think people that were, that were different, you know, they were cast shunned. out from society. Yeah. yeah yep. They were shunned. Okay. Um, because everything was about, you know, being the, you know, the American way. Um, you know, this is, we're living the American dream. We got a house with a picket fence and two cars in the garage and what was it? 2.5 kids and all this, you know? Da -da -da. Okay. I don't you want know. a half a kid. Sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. It's terrible. I'm good you know, with one. I don't like the half kid. Especially when you wind up with the bottom half, you know? <laughs> yeah. well, you know, it's if either... Give me the half that eats and you can have the half that poops. Right, right. <laughs> I'm more worried about like if I get the left half because then I can never say my kid's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all of you that got, for that and joke. Your neighbor's, kid, <laughs> neighbor's kids are all right. Yeah, exactly. You know. I just got what's left. Yeah. But you know what, what comes with conformity? Rebellion. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm. I don't want to be like him. I don't want to dress like her. I don't want to do the same job as these guys. I want to be myself. You know. I don't. I don't want to wear a tie every day. Um. You know. I. I want to be different. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm an individual. Okay. So, the rebellion in this case is just. It's a call to change this current mindset to open your mind. To new understanding, to, you know, accept things differently, um, you know, to look at things from a different perspective. And this period is called the awakening. Now, the second turning is the awakening. It is a period of nonconformity. Okay. Things are changing. In the United States, the awakening began in approximately 1964 and was led by voices like Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. Mm -hmm. Bob Dylan and John Lennon 
wrote songs about life and love from a whole new viewpoint. Timothy Leary and Owsley Stanley encouraged people to explore and expand their minds through psychedelic LSD trips. Yeah. You know, Woodstock happened during this period. Yeah. But so did the Vietnam War. True. Yeah. So protests during this time were commonplace. You know, nobody was ready to just say, let's just let it go. But just whatever, whatever the government's doing, it's fine. We're just going to keep right on going. Mm. That wasn't the case. Right. You know, people were upset. You know, people were not happy. People were tired of conforming to the social structure that was already there. So people started to stand against the idea of we're just going to go along with the norm. Okay. Now, movies, music, and literature flourished and echoed these sentiments. The women's liberation movement began, as well as the gay rights movement. The first Macintosh computer was invented. Okay, this this was a period of things things are coming around that nobody would have expected. Right. Okay. So the awakening it can also be looked at as a as a growing period of individualism. Okay? Uh, instead of a group, you know, I am me. I am not this group. I am me and you are you. And we need to celebrate that. So people began to look for new and inventive ways to express their individualism. But in the early 80s, things began to change. And the awakening period ended right around the re-election of Ronald Reagan as president in 1984. Okay, so so just to recap. So we're, we're looking at the period right after... Um, the victory in World War II. We were coming out of the Great Depression. Things were better. Life was good. People had money. People had homes. People had jobs. Okay. Things were good, but everybody was the same. You know, people, you, you, you got up, you went to work, you came home. You know, the, that's, that's when you see, you see all those ads where it's like, can you believe this was an ad um, for a vacuum cleaner that has a woman pushing a vacuum cleaner going, oh, yeah. your man likes a clean floor when he gets home. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. People were like, okay, after a while, this, this isn't cool anymore. And so right around 1964, we see the awakening begin. You know, you've got the, the hippie movement. Height Ashbury, the civil rights movement, gay rights movement, women's liberation. People are bucking against that that norm. You know, people are looking for a change. Okay. So after Ronald Reagan was reelected in 1984, things began to get a little messy. Okay. We saw the fall of communism in the Soviet Union. Okay. Which that sounds all oh, that that's great. But it also began a, a, a period of, of unrest in Russia, 
you know, it, it, it began to be almost like a, a, a criminal state. You know, it was, it was run by, you know, unsavory characters. Um, you know, there was, a, there were safety problems. Um, the Berlin wall came down and the bombing of Bosnia occurred. So more conflict, more changes now on a governmental level. Musical artists began to sing about violence and decay in their cities. Okay. The Columbine shooting, the attacks on 9-11 and the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, they all occurred during this period. Okay. So, so I'm, go I ahead. See, I see where we're, uh, the, the theme so far is it's 20-year blocks, which you kind of stated in the beginning. And he's got them segmented out by these 20-year blocks and then a, a large theme based around these 20-year blocks. So, you know, you got the the first, what is it, the 40s to 60s, then the 60s to 80s, mm-hmm. the 80s to the 2000s, mm-hmm. and highlighting the... He's highlighting the, the the some of the major events in each of these things, right? And I'm gonna hold my hold my uh, speculations <laughs> until the end, because right. I, I I I think I I have an idea, mm-hmm. and and I'll run it past you when we get at the end of this. But I, I I'm gonna see if maybe you address them before I get there, but I see a theme. I, yeah. I see where he's going. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, who remembers Y2K? Oh, yeah. You remember that? Oh, people, yeah. people were actually stocking up on non-perishable food, water, and ammunition out of fear that society and the economy would fall when the computer shut down. Mm-hmm. I remember uh Y2K thing. At the time, my dad worked for the gas company mm-hmm. here in Texas, and everybody was worried that the computers were going to shut down and, and stuff would go haywire. So they made him sit on a distribution station all night just in case the when the time clicked over, if something went haywire, he could go out there and manually switch it over so that we didn't lose gas to certain areas. Obviously that didn't happen, Mm -hmm. but me and my brothers and my stepmom all went out there and spent new Year's sitting on this gas uh, distribution station with him on new year's so that we could, we could be there with him on new year's. But I just thought it was crazy because, you know, I'm a teenager and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, yeah. So, What's going to happen because it clicks back to zero, zero, everything's going to lose its mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it didn't, didn't make sense to me then. And it's even dumber now, you know, 23 years later when we're like, okay, come on. Right. But, right. But, but I mean, it, it was a legitimate panic. I had friends that had to do some similar stuff. Yeah. You know, I had, I had friends that had to go into work at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and make sure that everything, 
everything was still up and running for whatever their job was. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it was, I had, I had another friend that literally has a compound. Okay. I mean, and he was, he was loaded up. They had enough food in there to go for two years. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, you know, I, I, if the zombie apocalypse happens, he's set. Right. You know? Well, I need his address. (laughs) But it's, it it was just so bizarre, but everybody was so panicked, you know, and the people that weren't panicked are just like, this is ridiculous. But in the Mm -hmm. back of your mind, you're like, what if this does happen? (laughs) You know, everybody in the back of your mind had that little thing of, okay, this is stupid, but if it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, it seems silly now, but fear is a strong motivator. Sure. And with all the changes during the unraveling during this period, fear was, uh, of what was going to happen next prevailed. Okay. Fear of the unknown fear of what's, what's waiting around the corner for me. You know, so it, it, it made people on edge. So the unraveling, it ended with the financial crisis of 2008. Okay. Now, as I said earlier, Howe and Strauss published their book, The Fourth Turning, during the unraveling in 1997. So what they, so essentially they predicted what would happen during the coming fourth turning. Okay. Now, understand. If, if you go out and, and pick up this book, don't expect to find a bunch of, um, you know, Sylvia Brown-esque predictions, okay? That's not what it is, okay? They, they don't play psychic here. They're not telling you, so-and-so is going to die. This country is going to take over, mm-hmm. you know, Europe. No, it's not like that. It's not just, an asparamancer type thing where yeah, they're it's, it's, reading it's, asparagus. Right, it's my <laughs> God. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like that. Okay, it's it's more or less of look, something bad is going to happen. Something yeah. really, really bad. Now, they could never have predicted a global pandemic that would kill millions of people. Mm-hmm. I mean that that I don't think that was on anybody's radar, but it sure fits the bill. Okay. And the, all they were doing was extrapolating what they had seen from the last few hundred years, from the previous seculum and the seculum before that. Okay. So let's talk about what they were looking at. Hey, you know, Adam, everybody's got bad habits. Sure. I mean, I got them, you got them. We all got them. They're like elbows. Everybody's got them. Um, and and quitting bad habits is is hard. You oh know? yeah. And quitting them cold turkey is even harder. So finding a way to help you kind of kick a bad habit that is easy, I mean that's great. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about our sponsor Fume. Okay, that's F U M and. They look at the problem in a different way. 
Not everything about a bad habit is necessarily wrong or bad for you. So instead of making this drastic, uncomfortable change, just remove the bad from your habit. A fume is an innovative, award-winning, flavored air device that does just that. You know, instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses delicious flavors. That's right. I mean, you get what we're talking about. Instead of bad, fume is good. So it's a habit that you're free to enjoy, and it replaces your bad habit pretty easily. You know, for me, if you watch the videos, you know what my bad habit is. It's very (laughs) obvious what my bad habit is. Right. There are certain places that you go that I can't do that. And, you know, if you're in the grocery store, you can't just whip it out and do it. But with the fume, you can't because it's just breathing through this device and it's satiating the oral fixation and that I need to be drawing something in thing. So it helps with that. And when I had a a tooth pulled because I chipped a tooth, they said, "You, you can't do your habit because I might get a dry socket or whatever. So I it, I picked up the fume and it actually helped me not even think about my bad habit the whole time. So it was amazing. Uh, it Everything tastes great. It, it's kind of like refreshing herbal tea. You know, it, it's, yeah. if vapor was compared to sticky soda, fume flavors would compare to herbal tea. Not as sweet and a lot more natural. So you, you think of it that way. And it looks cool. It's it's half metal, half wood with a cool like wood grain on it. And it's a tactile clicky thing. So you're fidgety with it and all that. So if, if part of a bad habit is usually like the hands doing something. Mm-hmm. So you can pick this up and click it, twist it, whatever, and go. If stopping is something that you've been putting off because it's hard, well, you can switch to fume and it's easy. It's also enjoyable and sometimes even fun. Fume has served over 150,000 customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com, that's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com, and use our code TAILS, T-A-L-E-S, to save 10% when you get the journey pack today. Yeah, that's tryfume, tryfum.com, and use our promo code TAILS to save an additional 10% off your order today. Okay. Um, so 80 years ago, 80 years ago, during the last fourth turning, America was in the Great Depression, which eventually led into World War II. Eighty years before that, the United States was in the grips of the Civil War. Hmm. And 80 years before that was the Revolutionary War. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting layout. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's not exactly 80 years, but it's roughly 80 to 90 years prior. So when you look at that, you're like, okay, well, 
here is evidence of at least three secula. The one we're in now, the one that stretched from um, the, the end of the Civil War up to the Great Depression, and the one that went from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War. So those those three secula seem to fit this pattern that Howe and Strauss identified. So re- remember those things that I, I, I talked about at the top of the show, the pandemic, the war, unemployment, inflation, distrust, all that? We're in the fourth turning. And unfortunately, we still have a few years left to endure. So how do we change it? You know, we've got, somebody's got to change it. We get rid of this book, the fourth <laughs> turning. And if we don't have this book, yeah, then we don't even have to think about what this dude is saying. Right. Right. And, and Makes what, sense. but what he is saying is that it's, it's not, it, it, this is not something that just is going to happen. The uh, one of the generations is going to have to step up and take charge and lead the change. That's mm. what's happened in the previous secular. So it's going to have to happen in this one for us to advance from this to the next to for to go from the fourth turning to a new first turning. Okay, okay. to get to that new high. Something has to happen. And, you know, the the rough estimate is, you know, sometime after 2028 is when mm. this first turning would occur. So we still got about five more years to go at least. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't necessarily mean things are going to get worse. Okay. It, it just means that it's going to take that amount of time for a generation to reach a point where they can actually make a difference. Okay. You know what this kind of sounds like to me? Um, and it may be where, like, I don't, I don't know. Something tells me they, they got, if you can't tell by my comments and my commentary on this, I'm highly skeptical. Yeah. But, uh, I'm playing along with them anyway, but, um, something tells me that they got this from like one of the ancient people's legends, because there is an ancient Aztec le- legend that a lot of times people now call it the legend of five sons, uh-huh. like S U N S not S O N S, but it's a four cycle period of birth, death, and reincarnation. And this happens four times. And then there has to be the death of a God, like they sacrifice a God. And this creates a new sun, which then creates a new world. Mm. And so as you started talking about it, that's what I immediately flashed to. And I can't think of the other terms for it. I know there's a couple other legends that I've heard, but it all has a four cycle and in each cycle it's not all the same like it's not in the fourth turning where it's 80 years so 20 Mm. years per cycle it's not that but they all have different 
length, whether it's 100 years or 400 years per cycle, they all have four cycles. And after the fourth cycle, there is a complete restart of the world. Mm-hmm. And some people have said, like the Aztec thing, it doesn't mean that there is a whole new world. Like the earth disintegrates and then comes back together and restarts. But people have attributed to this the theories like you and I have of uh, ancient peoples being more advanced right? than we give them credit for. And then there being some cataclysm that happens and restarting civilization, basically. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the theory behind this Aztec thing is that people will advance and advance and advance and advance birth, death, reincarnation, four cycles of this. And Mm then some cataclysm happens and then we restart from the bottom and we start again. Right. And I like hearing, hey, where did you get that? after the holidays because it means that I've got something that somebody else doesn't have or that they haven't been able to find. And if you enjoy hearing that, well, Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. Uncommon Goods is here to help you holiday shop and make it stress-free because they scour the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. So if you're shopping Secret Santa your entire family or that neighbor that for some reason you really, really like next door that's been overly nice to you and you want to get them something unique and say, hey, here's here's a thank you. Now stop being that nice to me because I'm going to have to keep <laughs> buying you stuff. Well, if that's the case, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. And I, I've talked about the puzzle that we got oh, yeah. from there that you put your name in and then as you're building it, It's got your name. Okay, I found something else on there that I had to get, and I think I told you about this, Matt. Ashley is a TCU graduate. She got her undergrad from TCU. On Uncommon Goods, I found some Cityscape wine glasses that have the TCU campus on there. Like, it's a stenciled TCU campus, wraps around the whole glass, and you look down at the bottom of it, and it says TCU on it. So I said, these have to be mine. Well, Ashley's, but I mean, you know, I got to get them. So, because I I mean, I married her, so I have to support TCU now too. Go Frogs. But anyway, they they had those. And the thing is, these things don't last forever on there. They've got a set amount. So I snatched Mm -hmm. them up because they only had two sets left. They got here and dude, they are high quality, like the stemless wine glasses. They are so cool. I, I might actually start drinking more wine now because those are cool. Just to use the cool glass. Just to use the glass, yeah. Hey, but Adam's right. When you shop on Common Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. So these fine products are often made in small batches. So you have to shop now before they sell out this holiday season. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. I'm telling you, 
if you've got that person that is just seems impossible to buy for, go to Uncommon Goods. I guarantee you, you will find something that they absolutely love. So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash grave. That's uncommongoods.com slash grave for 15% off your order. That's right. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Go to uncommongoods.com slash grave. We're all out of the ordinary. As you're going through what uh, these guys are saying, and I just lost their names, uh, Hal and Strauss. Mm -hmm. What Hal and Strauss seem to be saying is it, it seems to be going along this Aztec theory mm -hmm. and don't yell at me. I know there's other groups that have thought this, but the oh, Aztec I'm yelling. One is, I'm yelling at you. I know. Well, <laughs> Twitter is, but I, I don't know about you. Um, but the one I can remember is the Aztec thing, but it, it seems like maybe they got it from that. Maybe they, you know, they started looking at it and then it spurred their, research into time cycles and stuff like that. But one of the problems I have with the time cycle thing is they say, well, it's 80 years, but then they also say, well, it's not exactly 80 years. Yeah. And anytime somebody tries to predict what is going to happen based on what has happened and they give a definite and then they retract the definite later mm -hmm. and say, well, it's about, I'm super skeptical. Yeah. I have, I have a hard time because there's no definites. You can't, in, in my experience, and I'm going to use a definite to prove a non-definite, but I have never seen anything happen where somebody says always or never that it's true. At no point have I witnessed somebody say, well, it's always this way or it's never this way. Right. I, I, I have not seen that be accurate. Right. It's most, most often or most likely to or less likely to, but there's never a definite. So when I, I have a hard time with anything like this fourth turning thing, it's fascinating right. what yeah. they've, what they've put together and stuff like that. But. I just, I have a hard time. That's why all of my uh, smart alecky comments have been that way and kind of uh, snarky as just my, my skepticism on the subject. Well, and, and you're right to be skeptical, but the, the one thing that, the one thing that I, I have a hard time with, um, with this idea of the, of the, the fourth turning um, is that you have to, literally view time as being linear. Yeah. Yeah. That's another problem. And as much as you and I have researched things and looked at, at these theories and ideas, I just, I don't feel like anything that, that requires time to be linear is going to be accurate. No. So, no. Let let me get through this next part, yeah, and yeah. then we'll we'll kind of hit hit it a little bit harder. Um, so we were talking about a generation having to step up 
and make the difference to to force the change. Okay, who though? Who is that generation? Who is going to be responsible for this? So, according to Howe and Strauss, each turning produces its own character type or archetype. Mm-hmm. The prophets, the nomads, heroes, and artists. Okay, so according to Howe. If we are now in the crisis stage or the fourth turning, we are in the millennial seculum that began after World War II. So he says, essentially, winter is here and we can expect a new first turning sometime in the 2030s. Okay. And that winter is here, I think, is from the winter is here, I think, is. From the new book, if he had used that phrase and then Game of Thrones comes up with it, I would have been like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he he was, you know, this was this was essentially using something that everybody was familiar with hearing or, you know, at least most people. And if he didn't make mention in that book, the, the writing that this is intentionally satirical use of winter is here or mm-hmm. winter is coming, whatever, then I, I, I want to pop him in the back of the head because that, okay. If any of this is true. Okay. Let's say he's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. When he goes, winter is here. Yeah. Yep. You've lost all credibility. <laughs> nope. I'm done with you. I can't take it because yeah. that is, it's a meme. It's a, it's a TV show. Right. You've right. lost all credibility, sir. You didn't have much to stand on anyway, but you have totally lost it now with the winter is here. Mm-hmm. Comment. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you, that you use that term because William Strauss, he was a, a satirist. I mean, okay. that, that, that was his style. Um, could this whole thing could be, but I think, I think, you know, together they, they made it, they put this information out in a way that it was easy to digest or at least Mm. easier than it would be. Um, you know, so trying to dumb it down for us millennials, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not dumb it down, (laughs) but, but make it more entertaining. Um, I, th- I think is a better way, you know, where it doesn't look so, um, one, it doesn't look so woo woo. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't seem like it's just somebody's yanking these ideas out of the ether and putting them on, you know, like it's, you know, a, a, a mathematical equation or something, you know, it's, it's not that it's not that at all. Um, so I, I think that that probably helped that Strauss, you know, was was that style of writer. Um, but let's look at look at these archetypes, though, um, like the the boomer generation, the baby boomers. OK, um, that's the prophet archetype. OK, that's the people saying, hey, some something bad's coming. You know, we, we got to wake up, you know, something terrible is coming in the future. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs were both boomers and prophets. 
Okay, both predicted that one day everyone would own a computer. Okay, and not just big corporations, not just the the government, the military. Everyone would own a computer. And at the time, that seemed absurd. Well, now, yeah, and now everybody walks around with a computer in their pocket. Yeah. At the time, yeah, the uh, the computers took up a whole room. Exactly. And were like punch card style computers. Uh-huh. So, you know, Gates even predicted a crisis like COVID-19 about five years before it actually happened. I remember, I, God, I saw that video so many times when this stuff started. <laughs> but, and the authors of the, the turning, of the fourth turning, uh, Howe and Strauss are both boomers. And they're both prophets in a sense. You know, they're predicting something bad is coming. Change is coming. Now, winter is coming. Now, here's my bunch. The Gen Xers, okay? The, the gener- Gen X generation, we are the nomads, okay? People like Elon Musk, they build things that move us from one place to another. Nomadic devices. We got to get from this thing to the next thing. We are here. We want to go there or anywhere else. Okay. We, we've got to move. So don't think of it as, yeah, Elon Musk, he, he, he builds literal things that take us from one point <laughs> to another. But you got to think of it in a, in a broader scope. You know, we're, you know, we're in, in, in this situation We have to advance to the next situation, okay? Um, You know, we we need to accomplish this. We've got to create something that's going to get us there, okay? The millennials, who are the people raised during the unraveling, okay? So, Adam, you're you're right on the cusp. Yeah, you're like I, part. I'm part like an Gen Xer, yeah, part Gen Xer, part millennial. But mm-hmm. with with you know with your personality, I've known you long enough. You're you're more Gen X than you are millennial for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no doubt. Um, but but the millennials are the people who were raised during the unraveling. These people, how predicts, will become the heroes. Okay. These are the people like the Parkland High students who survived the shooting and and went on to lobby for gun control. These are the frontline healthcare workers who put their own health aside to care for others. And people like uh, Malala Yousafi, who spoke out for education rights of Pakistani children and was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize at age 17. Okay. Hmm. These are the people that are going to make the change. Okay. We're not sure what Gen Z is going to do. Okay. But the expectation is, is that this is where the next generations, writers, musicians, and poets are going to come from. They are going to be the artists and the, the artists are the ones who who put the language, you know, in the forefront that they, they create the, you know, the songs that become the rallying cries, you know, the, the books that change people's lives. Um, you know, I, 
it's like, you know, when you look back and you think, you know, the songs that, that people like John Lennon, Elvis, uh, the Beatles, you know, the songs that they wrote became iconic in a lot of ways. And they've been used as anthems, mm-hmm. you know, for, you know, in entire movements. So the Gen Z, that's where these people are going to come from. You know, our next uh, Bill Withers, you know, they got to start doing a better job because <laughs> I've heard some music from Gen Z. I'm, it's not going to rally anybody right now. That's right. <laughs> yeah, if we're going to bring music into this, let's get you know. But you ain't rallying crap. But with man, that does stuff. that does that not sound just like our parents? You know, yeah. what is garbage y'all listen to? You know, mm-hmm. rah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that sounds. Just, you mean sounds that just band like my is called? You mean that band is called Rancid? <laughs> yeah, I I see it. Their music is rancid. I admit. I gotta say, I I don't I don't look at all the music that the that my kids listen to, and and just go, oh, it's crap. Now, some of it is, but some of it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I and and my parents didn't really go. Your music is crap. They were just uninterested in any of the music that I was interested in. Well, I think technically, Matt, your youngest kids. And my kid are younger than Gen Z. They're the mm-hmm. even so I don't know what they are. Yeah. Um, Zoomer. I don't know what they are. They're they're something, but they seem. And this is just a, mu- a musical tangent because these uh, How and Strauss are getting on my nerves a little bit. But the <laughs> the the musical tangent is uh. I've noticed they are listening to music that I grew up with. Exactly. They are going back to my music, mm-hmm. like Metallica, Green Day, uh, you know, Nirvana, the 80s and 90s music. Mm-hmm. And now some can say that was crap. I'll, I'll There were some crap bands in there. I give you that. I still liked them, but they were there. But it... it Gen Z, when I look at some of their music, I I worry about how quote prophetic How and Strauss are because I I say again, some of these songs I have heard ain't gonna rally nothing yeah. except rally a bunch of us old men to go turn that volume knob down. That's all they're rallying. Yeah, but but you know what's interesting is. I did the same thing that that my kids have done. I mean, you know, I got an 11-year-old that can sing Grateful Dead songs. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but even, you know, the Grateful Dead is an example. I, you know, that that music is actually outside of my generation. You know, I didn't grow up this, listening to the Grateful Dead because it was for the generation before me right you know right yeah they covered many generations so i i got into them in the 80s you know when they were they were kind of changing with the times mm-hmm. but led zeppelin okay yeah. All, the bands yeah. like that i had a bit pink floyd 
I, I was a I, I got into Pink Floyd like a lot of my friends did. The Doors was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I listened to a lot of them too. Yeah. yeah. Now I I exclude like the Beatles or Elvis because in a lot of ways the music that they produced was it it, it kind of transcends time. I mean, you know, there <laughs> there are songs. It's like uh. It, it it's like when you listen to um oh what's her name at, at last uh at last what, oh, who is that? Yeah, yeah yeah can't think of her name Etta James is that am I right yeah all I, right I know the song Amanda but... loves that and I can't I can't ever remember she's gonna be mad at you maybe what's new no <laughs> she never gets mad at me anyway um but you know they 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 kind of transcend. The generations, but sure, yeah. but nonetheless, uh, I I did it. My kids are doing it. Their kids are going to do it too. Um, I think their kids may be a little disappointed, um, but you know when they go back to <laughs> mom and dad's music, but sure, but I don't know that Gen Z ha- as a generation has matured enough to actually be in that position yet. Mm. Okay, maybe. You know, so yeah. when they when they begin to get into their their 20s and 30s that's when you're going to see these people you know emerge and like you know for for piper you know that's 10 15 more years yeah. you know she's going to be well, right in her mid 20s so and that's true because despite what laws say and people say your brain doesn't fully develop until your mid to late 20s you know, your, your frontal cortex is not fully developed for guys sometimes until like 28 or 29. Right. So, you know, girls, sometimes it's like 25 or something, but you're technically not in your adult brain until your late twenties, early thirties, maybe. And so I can see that thought that, you know, up until they hit late twenties, they're still kids and they may not develop into their quote poet artist title mm-hmm. that Howen and Strauss were saying. But, but when you, when you we look back at the theory, at the idea that, you know, history does repeat itself in these, you know, approximate 80 year blocks. Um, my, I, I told you one, you know, my issue with, with having to look at this is linear. Um, even when you draw it out, it's like, it's linear, dude. This is, it's a yeah. timeline. That's what you're drawing. That That's what goes on. You know, I have trouble with that, but I also have trouble with the, with, with uh, the potential for there to be bias. If you come up with this theory, sure, you can 100%. find enough events in history to make it fit. Dude, that was my that was my absolute next comment was going to be if you look at history, yeah, and you take it on like you're saying a stagnant straight timeline. If you lay history out, I could go through and start marking major events and then counting decades or counting years mm-hmm. and go, "Okay, this is 5 years apart." And you could break it down macro or micro. Either one you want to do, and you can draw a connection between events when there is no connection there. 
Right. You could say, okay, my birthday is six months before Ashley's birthday. Well, then Ashley's birthday is however many years and six months from her mom's birthday. And you could make this connection that, oh, Ashley and I were meant to be together because the stars aligned in that six-month period. Da-da-da-da-da. So you could you can make a connection anytime you draw out a timeline and start marking dates. And then, like you said, if there is a bias going into this theory, then you are going to develop whatever weird bias you have around these dates. And you're going to say, oh, look, uh-huh. you know, this group. These are the the prophets because weirdly enough, I'm in that group and I'm prophesying <laughs> yeah. about what's going to happen. I mean, that has nothing to do with anything, but I just happen to be in the prophetic group and I'm writing a prophetic book about what's going to happen. Oh, in the next generation, you know, they're nomads because they're all over the place and those dang hippies and they didn't have. You know, they lived in vans and they're they're nomads. And, you know, so I, I feel there is a a huge bias from these authors. And I think that Strauss guy may have put more satire in this than Hal thought he did. Mm-hmm. And Strauss could have been screwing with Hal this whole time. <laughs> he could have. I mean, he definitely like, could have. The best con he's ever pulled the best <laughs> satire he's ever done nobody thinks is satire but how satisfying do you think it is for neil howe um and and i and i say this kind of tongue in cheek when uh, the global pandemic began in 2020 yeah. right in the middle of what he was saying was the crisis period and here comes an enormous, unprecedented crisis, mm-hmm. and, and and so you something like that happens. And I'm not I'm not saying it was a coincidence, but something like that happens, and it confirms your bias. And oh, yeah, you know, next thing you know, I I really am a prophet. Oh, dude, he you know, was he was dancing up and quickly writing the fourth turning is here. Like, oh yeah! As soon as that hit, he probably he probably started writing and had that thing done in a month. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you're just it's confirmation bias is all it is. Sure. Now, yep. Let's assume for a moment that he's on to something, and this is really how it goes. So the the idea would be. Over the next five to 10 years, as we move out of this period of crisis, things are going to get a hell of a lot better. Okay. It's possible. My thought on it is, is it's probably not going to get a whole hell of a lot worse. Uh, there's a, there's a long standing saying Everybody knows it. It's probably goes back to Grecian times or before then. Things are always darkest before the dawn. Mm-hmm. So if if he gives us a long enough period, yeah, things are going to get better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
I, I mean, I, I hate to be this skeptical of something because I, I tried to keep an open mind about everything, but he lost me when he started. I, I mean, I have this problem with most people who try to predict things that are going to come true based on what's happened in the past. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have this immediate aversion to it, but he's taking an easy swing at this by saying things are going to get better because yeah, at some point I'm sure they are. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if you, if you add a few details in with the secular prior to the one we're in right now. So if, if that ended at with the great depression and then world war, the world war two, and then it's the victory in world war two that starts the first turning, not the actual war, because yeah. that sucked too. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we lost a lot of American lives. Um, yeah. you know, life was hard in this country while we had so many soldiers overseas. Sure. But it, it, let's look 20 years prior to that, if we're going to say 46. So if we go to the, to 1926, when that fourth turning would have began, would have begun, then what was going on just prior to that? The, the roaring twenties, you know, prohibition, you know, all of that was, was going on. And that would have been that messy period. You know, the, the, the whole, the whole, uh, you know, New York gangsters and, and all that kind of stuff, the cotton club and, and, and all of that, things were were changing and not necessarily for the better. Right. So the 20 years prior to that, what are we looking at? Okay, so we're jumping to roughly the turn of the century here. Mm-hmm. Thomas Edison, you know, inventions, the Industrial Revolution, those type of things are occurring. What and what do we know? That's the awakening. It's a, you know, a, a period of innovation. Um, you know, it's a period of, of, uh, individualism. You know, people are waking up going, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to do this. It's really tough to, to see individualism in that period of time based on the history that we know. Okay. I mean, when you read the history books, it doesn't really paint that kind of picture. Um, yep. you know, that everything, but, but you think about it, spiritualism was, was really big in that time. True. You know, yep. people were, people were branching out looking for, looking for answers, you know? Um, so I, I guess you could say, yeah, it fits in there too. And then prior to that, you're looking at the period that's just after the civil war. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's rebirth the uh, unification of the United States. Once again, um, it's expansion, you know, manifest destiny. You know, we're, we're going, we're going West, uh, you know, all of that was going on. So things were, things were better. How could it, how could it be any worse? You just coming off a civil war. It can't get, it can't get any worse than this, you know? So things had to get better and they did get better. Okay. So again, all I've done is I've just picked out events 
that fit. Okay. Right. They fit in that. But to me, it's more of, okay, innovators exist through that entire 80 year block. Yeah. Change occurs all through that 80 year block. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if there's any constant in life, it's change. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, you know, if, if we're going to say, what can you predict? Change. Mm-hmm. That it's going to be different. It may be better. It may be worse, but it's going to be different. You know, things are going to be different. You know, yeah, the only two sure things in life are change and taxes. <laughs> change and taxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Death. Death isn't even a constant. We're going to, nah, we're going to overcome a- that. At some point. These, uh, who are they? The, the millennials yeah, the, or the, the nomads. I don't know which one, but one of them is going to fix death. Yeah. 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 Well, in, in some ways we have, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the average lifespan is a hell of a lot longer now than it was a hundred years ago. That's true. I mean, you know, people be like, oh man, that guy's 45 Lord. What? He is ancient. You know, yeah. how did, how did he live this long? What's your secret to your longevity? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it's those nomads and millennials that fix it's me. It's these non filter cigarettes that I've been smoking. <laughs> oh yeah. That's it. They're, they're good for the lungs, man. Yeah. They're good for the lungs. And you know, you're a hundred percent right on that with, you cannot put one specific label on one specific generation for change or for artistry or for whatever. Cause look at the artistry that came out from our generations. Look at the artistry that came out in the, the prophet generation, Mm -hmm. the, the quote nomad. All of these people had some amazing artists. All of them had amazing inventors. All of them had, you know, amazing criminals and and do batters. If there's do gooders, there's got to be do batters, right? Yeah. But uh and the other problem I have with it is they are only putting it on US history. They're not basing this on a long enough time frame before the United States was a country. They're not going back through, say, ancient Native American cycles. They're not going back through ancient Britain. And I know some of that would be hard with records and stuff. But in the grand scheme of history, the United States is not a long enough block, in my opinion, to make such claims Mm -hmm. that they're making. Right. You know, these these are some very pointed claims some very definite claims about 80 year periods and turnings and and stuff that i don't think you can make with such a small data set well i i think in some ways it makes it easier because yeah. you know the yeah. the united states is so young comparative to the rest of the world it, it does make it easier for them i yeah. mean you know you've got you you've got a a, a very, uh, relatively speaking, small data set to play with. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And I think that's why they focused on the U S plus, you know, that was the history that was most accessible. Um, but I would be interested and, and they don't make any claims that this, that these secular model what's going on around the world that at this very time where we're in the fourth turning that, you know, another country could be beginning their, their new, their first turning. You know, their new awakening yeah. or, or they could be, uh, you know, going into that awakening period into the second turning. And I, what I would be interested in, in knowing is, you know, for our, our international listeners, look at, look back at, I mean, it, it takes 10 minutes. I mean, look back at your own history or, or at least what you, what you were taught in school and, and see if you can make events fit. You know, you know, wars and, and crisis and political unrest and upheaval, um, any of that, you know, take take those major events and and see if they fit into these semi 20 year blocks. And and if it matches what, you know, how and Strauss are saying for, for yeah. you and, and where and let us know where would you be? You know, where would you put your country, you know, in, in the, in the secular, you know, are, are you mm. guys in a fourth turning too? you, you would, you would certainly think that the fact that COVID affected the entire world, that we would all be in a crisis, but that's not necessarily true, you know, yeah. or, and someone else's, you know, that this may have, this may have ended you know, they're forth turning and they're already seeing awakenings. I, I think for a lot of countries, um, they're, they're right in line with us. If you want to square them into this or pigeonhole them into this, this frame, um, mm -hmm. you know, especially if, if you're looking at what's going on in Israel right now, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, I, I you know, I don't think anybody is going to look at that and go, yeah, they're not in a crisis yet. <laughs> Are yeah. you kidding me? I mean, well, I don't know how you get in a worse one. And that that brings up a a good point. They're basing this on the U.S. timeline. However, you know, some of the examples are global. Yeah, yeah. And I know they they anything nowadays that happens globally affects everybody. I, I get that, but. If you're basing it on just a U.S. thing, then it should be just U.S. examples. But, I mean, I, I think it's it's good that we're talking about this because the Fourth Turning is Here book. I mean, that's a recent publication yeah, of that book. So, you know, three years ago. So it's going to get traction with people mm -hmm. and i can see how it's very easy to go oh my god they're right exactly you know, and i i feel like that's one reason i'm being a little hard on it is just because i want to make sure there is another viewpoint mm -hmm. an alternate viewpoint to what he's saying because some people might not look at it as skeptically as you or I do. 
And if you're listening to this and you're one of those that aren't thinking about it skeptically, please think about it skeptically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, and I don't think you are either necessarily saying that Howe and Strauss were, are completely wrong or totally off base. Uh, I just, I just don't think you can, uh, you can't force history into this. Right. In, into, in, into something that is so defined, e- even, yeah. even with loose, um, with 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 uh with loose definition I, I still don't think you can do it i mean it, it just yep. you you can you can make it fit good enough you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you you put it out there um i i just i think it it's just not that easy yeah the data set's not large enough the timeline is not long enough mm-hmm. And again, you're, you're thinking time is linear. You're, you're thinking everything happens on a linear basis when we know that's not the case. I mean, even Einstein knew that that wasn't the case, but I, I, I think they have, they have a good theory yeah but i i don't i feel like in my opinion they are being too definite about a theory that is unproven Mm -hmm. and you can cause too much damage by like you said pigeonholing pigeonholing generations, pigeonholing decades and pigeonholing history mm-hmm. into your biases. Yeah. And I think when, when you said there's biases, I, I feel like that's a, a, a very valid description of this. There's a lot of biases, personal biases in this prophecy. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked before. It's just like when we did the, um, what's her name? I just lost her name. We mentioned her. Sylvia earlier. Brown. Sylvia Brown. Yeah. When when we did the Sylvia Brown episode, it sounds on the surface great, but when you start breaking it down, there's some big discrepancies in there that you have to consider when you're looking at this, and it feels very Nostradamus-esque <laughs> yeah. to me. You know, where Nostradamus said some things in a cryptic way that seem like they fit now. Mm-hmm. And we can go back in time and make some of Nostradamus's predictions fit historical events and say, see, he was 100% accurate. But it's because we sweep under the rug all the ones that were wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think, in a way, that's what this turning cycle does, is it puts in the forefront all the things that fit that 20-year cycle. But like you said, it negates the things that don't fit 
and it doesn't put those in the limelight as well. Because if you did, it would get too muddy mm-hmm. to be able to put into this timeline. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But what do you guys think? You know, you've heard you've heard what we think, and you you've heard this this theory. Maybe some of you have probably even read this book. Um, let us know. Uh, I would love to know if if some of our listeners in Australia said, "Yeah, Australian history fits right into this," or you know, our European mm-hmm. listeners, "Yeah, you can take European history and it and it fits in like this," or it totally doesn't. Um, let us know, and the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Um, you can go on uh, Facebook, search Graveyard Tales. Uh, you'll find our group and uh, jump in there because it's thousands of people with amazing stories from all over the world, you know, different backgrounds, but everybody's there just to, just to you know, talk and chat about this type of stuff, these, these incredible stories, these ideas, these theories, personal experiences, you name it. Uh, it is a private group, so you don't have to worry about your boss or coworker, you know, going, ah, did you see what Adam <laughs> said about nah, right? You know, it's, it's a safe place to do that. And when you're done there, slide over to our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. There you can find links to purchase graveyard tells merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And we, we want to thank everyone who has donated to the show. Um, our our Patreon catalog is is fairly large now, and we we hope in some way it, it's it's a it's a good thank you uh, for the uh, the amount um, of uh, of support that we we get from our listeners. Um, yep. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It does help bring us up the charts, but it makes it easier for people to find the show when they go in and search. Um, for the wild stuff that Adam and I discuss. <laughs> so uh, that's about it for the fourth turning. We uh, remember we got a few years left. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s-based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 percent off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com aware terms apply Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.